got your Bibles today, I want you to turn with me. We're in the book of Hebrews. We're doing our study here. We're in chapter 11. We'll be reading verses 32 through 40. I was mentioning to Tammy, uh, this, is a, this is a hard weekend for me because this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. And for those of you that are pastors, you'll get this. Others may not make as much sense, but it's a... a when you, as a pastor, you preach like your favorite passage, one of your favorite passages, like you really don't want to screw this one up, right? You want to make sure you get it communicated. So kind of a little extra pressure. And it might be even be interesting because, we, you know, such an incredible chapter here talking about all of these people of faith. And now he actually turns and kind of goes the other way. For some people, almost a little bit of a downer. But there's so much wonderful truth here. So let's read it together. If you got it in your Bibles, I read out of the New American Standard. So if it's a little different than yours, you'll know why. Verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. And others, mm, others were tortured not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings, yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground, and all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised, because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. And others. So, Hebrews chapter 11, this hall of faith, it has been a crescendo of stories of triumph after triumph, victory, wonderful stories that were told over and over and over again throughout history of God's faithfulness from Abel to Enoch to Noah to Abraham to Moses to Joshua to the judges to the prophets to the kings you know king david right story after story and he even list here so he reminds us of 10 things about these stories he talks about they conquered kingdoms now when he lists these things what you have to remember the context of this book is he's writing to people who came out of judaism 
So they're very familiar with the Old Testament, but they've come into faith in Christ, and now he's encouraging them to walk on. So he ties back in, and so he doesn't really mention exactly who he's talking about, but you can imagine their mind. So he talks about they conquered kingdoms, and you think of Joshua taking Israel into the promised land. He mentions the acts of righteousness and Samuel and all that he did. He talks about they obtained promises. You think of King David who got the promise that your children your descendants will always be on the throne of israel they shut the mouths of lions daniel they quench the power of fire daniel did such a great job last week talking about now i didn't watch veggie tales so i don't know him whatever names he used i know him as shadrach meshach and abednego right but they quenched the power of fire he then talks about they escaped the edge of the sword and you think of elijah god's protection of taking him from jezebel from weakness made strong the story of gideon mighty in war jephthah foreign armies to flight then he says this women received dead back women why does he call out women who received their dead back to them i never thought about it in the old testament there are two stories of resurrection one is with elijah Elijah who remember he prayed it didn't rain for three years he actually went up and stayed with a, a, a woman from a widow from Zarephath she had a young son who died and Elijah raised him back to life and gave him to his mom then you have the story of Elisha who during his time stayed with the Shunammite woman who made a, a place for him to be able to come and to stay when he traveled through and she was childless and if you remember Elisha prayed so that she had this little son and as he grew one day he's out working in the field with his dad and something happens I mean it almost sounds like heat stroke or an aneurysm but he dies remember Elisha goes and he, he prays and then stretches himself out and God raises them back to life women receive their dead back but then you even think in the new testament well we have the story of the widow at nain when jesus is coming to a little town of nain and this widow who's only son jesus raised him back gave her back to his mom you think of course of the story of lazarus he's given back to his sisters now i have no idea to the theological significance of that and why God didn't give anybody back to a man. But the women received their dead back. And to be honest with you, we look at that, we all go, cool, right? We'd love to be a part. I can remember as a kid, on Saturday mornings, we'd often go crawl into bed with my, my dad, and he would tell us Bible stories, and he would tell us the story of David. And if you remember my dad, I mean, he was a great storyteller. He'd tell us the story of Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and, you know, wanted to grow up and to be, you know, it's almost like a hero of faith, right? A superhero of faith. And right in the middle of this, there in verse 35, and by the way, it's a bad verse division because he's starting a new thought. He's building a contrast here. He says, and others. Others. Uh-oh. They didn't fare so well. They're, 
and he lists 10 things. They're tortured, not accepting their release so they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experience mockings and scourging, just also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. So in the midst of all this praise, these stories of faith, there are others. Now again, we don't know exactly who he's thinking about, but you, you think about being tortured and, and scourgings, and you couldn't help but think of, uh, of Jeremiah, the great prophet. He, he talks about those in chains and imprisonments, and your mind kind of runs to, to Joseph and what happened to him. He talks about here that uh, uh, they were stoned. Remember the story? Zechariah the priest was stoned by Josiah. Oh, by the way, Zechariah's dad is the one who saved Josiah as a baby, and yet he paid him back by stoning Zechariah when Zechariah told him that he was not doing something that was right before the Lord. Talked about they were put to death with the sword. You think of Elijah and all the prophets of, of God in the time of Jezebel. He said, I alone them left. She's killed them all. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins. You think of Elijah. Oh, by the way, in the midst of all of this, these others, did you hear what God said about them? Of whom the world was not worthy. He didn't say that about the other group. He said they didn't receive their, their resurrection because they, their release, they wanted to obtain a better resurrection. Why a better resurrection? How could it be better than giving the dead back? Well, think about it. The, everyone who got raised ended up having to die again. But they're looking ahead to a resurrection where there will be no more death. And, and folk, the point is this, that all these people were people of faith. Some got to see incredible triumph. Some got to see tragedy. But they were all people of faith. And the reminder for us is that you and I are called to be people of faith no matter what the outcome, no matter how God leads our life. Now think again, context. The writer of Hebrews is writing to these people who came up out of Judaism, accepted Jesus. They're following after him. We think it's in the 60 AD, so you've got Nero. You have persecution by Rome of Christians. But beyond that persecution, the Jews who hadn't left the law are also persecuting them. And so there's that drift that's going on. There's that pulling back there's that falling away there's that going back under the law and his whole point here is you've got to press on 
no matter where God leads your life. And so he's giving all these examples of faith, but it's not just those that saw triumph, it's those that saw tragedy and difficulty. Press on, push on, persevere. Now we know that our God can do anything, right? We sang that this morning. Our God can do anything he wants, but what happens when he chooses not to? I was thinking about the scripture that Daniel shared last week with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they're standing before Nebuchadnezzar. And they look at Nebuchadnezzar and they're not going to bow down. He says, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Our God is able. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up and you think about it do you really think that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were thinking that God was actually going to cool the the furnace for them I don't think that was their thought they knew God could but it didn't matter it didn't matter the end peace is not on us that's on God what's on us is that we live by faith And that's his whole point. Look at verse 39. And all these, all these, the ones who got triumph and the stories that we love to tell, and those who were killed and tortured and sawn in two. By the way, sawn in two, we think Isaiah, King Manasseh, sawn in two. Now, reminder, when we talk about faith in Hebrews chapter 11, what we're talking about is not saving faith. This has nothing to do, this is not about justification. This is about living faith. How do we live and follow after God? These were believers. This is not about justification. This is about sanctification. In fact, if you go back and look at every story he told in this chapter, there were people who had relationship with God. Right? So this isn't about salvation. It has nothing to do with that. This is about living faith. And his point is this. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So everyone who lives by faith, whether it ends up in triumph or it ends up in tragedy, if you live by faith, you living a life that is pleasing to God. The outcome doesn't matter. God's, God's issue is not the outcome. God's issue is, are we going to live through faith? And we're going to live by faith. And if, and if in his plan that leads to triumph, awesome, man. Those are great stories to tell. If it leads to tragedy, God is good. We trust him. Folk, that's his point. You're facing persecution. You're struggling. Don't drift don't turn back without faith it is impossible to please god walk with faith stay focused don't drift don't turn away and oh by the way there's a little caveat here and i want to talk about this because 
This used to be a thought that was just in kind of the prosperity type gospel, quite honestly. It's spreading all throughout Christianity, and I just want to push back on it because I don't think it's biblical. Our faith does not determine the outcome. Can I say that again? Our faith does not determine the outcome. You know, we have this idea that if we have enough faith, then everything's going to turn out all right. By the way, if you actually look at some of the stories of faith, Samson was not necessarily the greatest man of faith in the world. Neither was Jephthah. And oh, by the way, Isaiah was a man of great faith. Isaiah was a man who stood in the midst of, of difficulty. Jeremiah, who was, who was persecuted and thrown into jail, thrown into a well to die, was a man of great faith. It was not a lack of faith that led to that. You see, it's, the outcome is not determined by the amount of our faith. His whole point here is, and all these all these those who end up in triumph those that end up in tragedy all of these have a testimony they're approved because of their faith that, that the idea there is a testimony so here's the thing no matter the outcome a life of faith is what is pleasing to the Lord folk I don't know what you're going through I don't know if you're walking through a time of just great triumph, right? It's like God's answering every prayer. He, he's making the way. Or you're walking through that time of difficulty. You've been following the Lord, but guess what? Things aren't going so well. Maybe you've got a bad medical diagnosis. Maybe some relationships are hurting. Maybe financially you're going through. Listen, you have to understand, we don't get to choose, right? Because if we got to choose, we would all choose group one, wouldn't we? I know I would. Man, I love that. You know, close the mouth of lions. Quench the fire, man. But that's not on us. That's on the Lord. And that's exactly what he's telling these believers. You're walking through persecution. That's okay. The outcome is on him. What God's called you to do is to walk in faith. For without faith, it is impossible to please God. Do you get it? This is really at the heart of what Paul said there in Philippians. Remember, Paul was under house arrest in Rome, so he can't preach, he can't do what he normally does. And he's writing this book to the Philippians, and he says this, according to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything. The whole point is, is that I won't shrink back, that I won't turn away, that I'll stay. He says, but with all boldness, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And oh, by the way, to die is gain. I don't know how my life is going to turn out. I don't know at the end of the day if it's going to look like triumph or it's going to look like tragedy. And quite honestly, neither do you about you. That's not the issue. The issue is, is that whatever we're called to walk through, whatever our journey takes us, that we walk by faith that we keep our eyes on those things which are not seen and many of you know this sadly because you've experienced it 
But the reality of life is that it often takes much greater faith to walk through the tragedies than it does through the triumphs. Because the triumphs are momentary. Right? They get out of the furnace, right? We're good. You spent the night with the lions and they didn't bite. It's good. The problem with the tragedies is they leave scars, don't they? You know, you all know my story. I, I share it periodically, but, you know, my first wife passed away in childbirth, but there's a part of my story I don't tell a whole lot. When she was going through the process of labor, My son was actually beginning to crown. And if you're familiar at all with childbirth, basically it's in the birth canal. The head is just starting to show itself. So we're getting really close to birth. That is when everything went wrong. And everything went south. And so they're scrambling, trying to... to um, take care and, and, and to kind of uh, get everything back to where they can do something, right? Stabilize this. And so when they were able to get her somewhat stabilized, they moved her to the delivery room and because his head was right there, they were able to take forceps and get him out. But my son is not breathing. He'd been stuck in the birth canal. And I'm sitting there, and I mean, if you ever have one of those surreal moments when you're watching your life just disintegrate in front of your eyes, and there's not a thing you could do, I'll be honest with you, faith isn't hard in those moments, because it's all you got. Nothing I can do. But I know my wife's in trouble, but my son is not breathing. And they are working feverishly to get him to breathe. And, of course, I'm praying. Well, they were able to get him to breathe. And, oh, by the way, he was just up here leading worship, right? It's good, right? It was a story of triumph. And it was a wonderful story. In fact, uh, after this, I was trying to figure out what happened. And so I had a, actually a high-risk OBGYN who looked at all the medical records because I was trying to figure out what went wrong. When he looked at the records, his first question was, what's wrong with the boy? They said, nothing. He goes, that's a miracle. Right? Triumph. It's a wonderful story. But he's good. He's giving me four grandkids, right? I don't tell that part of the story. Why? Because it was losing my wife that left the scar. That was the thing that devastated my life. That was the thing over the next couple of years that, that, you know, I've got to raise this baby by myself and all, all of that. Folks, so often it actually takes more faith to walk through the tragedies and to keep your eyes focused on Jesus than it does the triumphs. And that's why I want to repeat this. No matter the outcome, no matter how this ends up, a life of faith is pleasing to the Lord. He's not looking to the outcome. That's not on us. What's on us is that we just continue to live by faith. We continue to be focused.
Now, I, wanna, I, I don't want to miss this, and I want to make sure we got enough time. Did you notice that last phrase in verse 39? And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Did you pick that up? Let's read that one again. And all these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Now, I'm not the hippest guy in the world. You all know that, but I, I've seen this expression used. It's young, it's hip. I thought I'd put it up here. It's called spoiler alert, right? Because this is going to push back to some of what we think. None in the hall of faith, none in the hall of faith have seen the reward for their faith yet, even today. None of them. So think about that. The triumph was not because of their faith. None of them have received the promise. That's what he just said. So the clothing of the mouths of the lions, the people back from the dead, none of that was a, a reward for their faith, just like the torturing and the killings and the being sawn in two were not punishment for lack of faith. None of them have received the reward of faith. Why? Because the reward for a life of faith is yet to come. It is in the next life. It is what we are planning. In fact, go back. Go back here in chapter 11 to verse 10. Actually, let's go back to verse 9. He's talking about Abraham. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations whose architect and builder is God. Now let me ask you, has Abraham experienced that even to today? And the answer is no. The city that he was looking for is that new Jerusalem that will come down. It is still in the future. The life, in fact, that's his whole point here in verse 40. Because God has provided something better for us that apart from us, they would not be made perfect or complete. It is not until we all get home that we receive this reward for living a life of faith. Let me throw out even a little bit more of a difficult idea. Do you, that Jesus himself has not received the promise of the reward that God gave to him for his life of faith. Turn back to chapter 10. Remember this passage where he's the great high priest. In verse in verse 12, it says, But he, speaking of Jesus, having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting. Waiting. Waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool for his feet. Let me ask you. Are his enemies his footstool today? The answer is no. Has every knee bowed and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord today? The answer is no. 
it's still to come it's still in the future and that's his whole point even go back to understand how he defined faith faith in verse 1 of chapter 11 is the assurance of things hoped for the conviction of things not seen yet this is where he keeps pointing these believers is there's a day coming there remains a sabbath rest for the people of god when he talks back in chapter 2 that we're not talking about things here but things that are yet to come in fact, even when he sets us up in Hebrews chapter 10, he says, you, you, you have a need for endurance because that is going to have great reward on that day. Everything is looking ahead. And so the very essence of living faith that we are called to live with today is that faith that looks forward to we're going to stand before the Lord. And so we look forward to the day. We've not experienced it yet. We've not touched it yet. We've not tasted it yet. But we believe the promises of God that Jesus is going to set up his kingdom, that we are going to rule and reign with him, that there comes great reward for those who follow after Jesus. And though we haven't touched it, we haven't tasted it, we live for that day. Day. And on that day, God in his justice rewards all the saints, those who experience some triumph in their life and those that experience some tragedy in their life. On that day, their faith is rewarded. Can I remind you this morning as we finish up, some of Jesus, in fact, Jesus absolute last words to us it's found in the last book it's revelation the last chapter of that book chapter 22 this is what he says behold i'm coming quickly now obviously gonna have to have a conversation with jesus about what quickly means right because we're uh now i guess working from eternity and to eternity it probably looks a little different than what we see Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me. Man, don't shrink back. Don't drift away. Don't turn to the left or to the right. Don't turn away. Don't fall away. You keep pressing on. You keep walking with Jesus. You keep walking in faith. And if in this moment it's a triumph, great. And if this moment is tragedy, man, that's hard. But he will be with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. But man, on the other end of this, on the other end of this, there becomes a great, great reward. And that's his point. All these great men and women of faith, the reward for their faith was not those moments of triumph. Abraham's waiting for a city whose architect and builder is the Lord. It's still coming. Jesus is still waiting for one day all his enemies will be made his footstool. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. It's coming. It's coming. Live for that day. That's what living faith means. So, you know, when you think about, behold, I'm coming quickly. Um, man, we, there's a lot of stuff happening in our world right now. Have you noticed? Boy, if you read the book of Revelation, you read Daniel. I'm, I'm in Daniel right now in our Bible reading. And, uh, man, a lot of this stuff, it seems like we're really getting close to Jesus coming back. 
And folk, I don't know how this is going to end up. I don't know if it's going to be triumph. I mean, can you imagine Jesus? We're waiting for the rapture, right? That would be triumphal. Can you imagine what moment that'll be to look up and here comes Jesus in the clouds and we know we're going up and man, this is so awesome. Or if it'll be, no, he's going to tarry a while longer and so there's going to be sickness and there's going to be disease or there's going to be a car accident or there's going to be cancer or something. We don't know. The outcome's not our issue. Our issue is follow Jesus. Our issue is continuing in faith. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, can I just tell you that's where it starts? You see, we're, we're talking about reward and all this, but when we do talk about faith for salvation, it's not a reward, it's a gift. It's an absolute free gift. Jesus went and paid for it all. He died on the cross for us so that we could be forgiven. And he only offers it as a gift. In fact, you can't earn it. But man, he stands there and offers that free gift. The cool thing is once you become his child, you receive that gift. Now he gives us the promise of future reward if we'll follow him, we'll walk as people of faith. After the service, there are going to be some people over here under the sign that says prayer. Maybe you don't know for sure if you got a relationship with Jesus. Man, they'd love to tell you how. Or maybe you're a Christian, a brother or sister. You're just walking through some of that hard stuff right now. You just need that encouragement of some brothers and sisters to come around and pray with you, man. They're there. We want to walk with you through this. But let's keep our eyes on that day and live for that day. Because that is the story of faith that Jesus wants to write in our hearts. <music>